Roderick on the Line is unabashedly sponsored by Igloo Software, a digital workplace that helps you work better with other people. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at igloosoftware.com slash findyourduck. Hello. Hello. Hello, this is it. This is it. This is it. Hello. Hello. Hello, this is the test call. Why are you calling me? How did I don't you like it. How did you get this number? I don't like it. How does my voice sound? Oh my god, it's it's never sounded so clear. Really? I feel like you are sitting here on my lap, which would be very mm, awkward. I'm ready from my paddling Santa. Considering that I am in the all together. Oh, come on. It would be so sad if you were sitting here right now. <sighs> because it would cause you to question all those things that you think you've already figured out. Would it? Yeah, like do I want to be on a naked man's lap? Mm. I bet that's a question you didn't think you were going to have to ask yourself today. I woke up, I don't know what, three or four hours ago, and I have to be honest with you, there were a lot of questions I had, as you do. And First thing in the morning. Yeah. You know, when I went in the room with that chair, I was, I was super cautious about it. I, I never got real near the chair. <laughs> I, use, uh, I, I like to use a, um, an intermediary layer like a towel or a you're gonna make or, me bring up howard like, hughes again aren't you don't bring up howard hughes he put he put paper towels and he put paper towels and toilet paper on everything you know what i'm i live in the northwest and i conserve paper towels Ugh. i use washable towels oh, God. between me and everything is that <laughs> oh, oh ew, ew, ew. did you know do you know how much disease could be carried on those but that but I, I would just be carrying it right down to the washing machine it's your disease for one, yeah. right? As far I, as you know. As far as I know. This, uh, this is starting to sound like Billy Corgan lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that drummer? Uh, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Smashing pumpkins. Who cares? Man, you know, do you remember how serious they were? Oh, they were so serious. I, I had, there was a guy when I was, I, I, I just went down this list. I was about to say he was my mental list, like in Terminator where fuck you asshole uh i went to this list i was about to say he was my roommate and then i was like oh actually i didn't live in that house i was just crashing on the couch and then i realized oh he didn't live in that house either he was just crashing on the couch too so neither of us were we weren't actually roommates but we lived in the same house for a long time it should be a sniglet for that the two guys co-hosts the the two guys that did live in the house i'm sure if they were listening to this podcast they'd be like god those two guys fuck those guys but this guy david and i both were crashing in this house for a time and I was starting to play music, you know, uh, just just then, you know, early 90s. And uh, he was playing the Smashing Pumpkins gish at one point. <laughs> and I walked in to, I mean, it wasn't his room. It was another guy's room. I walked into the room where he was. And I was like, hmm, this music, I don't know. Not that good. And he said, he turned to me and very seriously, he was like, never in your life will you ever make a thing as wonderful, as true, as Smashing Pumpkins' gish. Mm. And I was like, well, consider that a challenge. Mm. Is that something, is that, that's something you had to live with? Yeah, I'm, I'm still not sure if I have. I still, I'm still not sure if I, have, if I have accomplished Smashing Pumpkins' gish level of uh, artistic greatness. I like, uh, I like that uh, one part of that one song. Where it goes, ba ba da ba 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 and it's mostly the bend. I like the bend. Yeah, and then his voice is like, he's extraordinary. He's a classic. He's a classic example of a of a '90s, uh, yeah. or '80s or '90s singer who made his 
career. Michael Stipe is another one who made his career having unintelligible vocals mixed really low. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, he got famous, and people were telling him how great he was. And then he started going into the studio and saying, mix my vocals up. And, ooh, yeah. And also, you know, about the time the, uh, the vocals came up in the mix, shaved their head. Thank you. Hello, mm. both of them. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And so the vocals come up, the head gets shaved, and then all of a sudden the fans are like, wait a minute. You're not saying anything. You're just reading the ingredients off the back of a cereal box. Or this is meaningless. Like Michael Stipe's lyrics were so enigmatic to me through the '80s, and then as soon as he started, uh, uh, as soon as you could hear them, right. I was like, these aren't enigmatic. These are these are dumbass. And then Billy yeah. Corgan was never enigmatic to me, but but as soon as I could hear him better, I realized he's a bad singer. He, um, I think he, boy, I, I, yeah, I hate to speak ill of somebody from Illinois, but I, mm. I, I think, I think he really appeals to a certain type. Hmm. I do. I do. I what think type? there's, well, I don't know. Here's the thing. LARPers. Okay. Hmm? LARPers. <laughs> Dude, you remember he had that shirt that said zero? He did, and he had a star. He became like Charlie Brown, though. I mean, in addition to being bald, he kind of always wore the same shirt and was always a little bit sad. Yeah, you he know, was a and, tall guy, I think. Oh, you sure about that? I, I think, think that the sad lady, the sad lady on the base, was tall. Oh, I thought she was small. What about, I don't the, know, what I about have... the? What about the? What do you call it? A twink? What about the little guy? What about? He seemed pretty sad too. He had he had a solo record. I remember the little guy. Yeah, one of those guys died of heroin. No heroin. Well, somebody did. <gasps> Are you sure? I think so. I have a. Interesting I, I think story you're thinking of the Pretenders. No, no, no. Somebody from every band died of heroin, but I'm pretty sure that some, that right? somebody from this band died of heroin. Hmm. That's not but funny. The, the class, no, the heroin's never funny. <laughs> heroin is in the category of rape and uh, American oh, heroes. Anyway, <laughs> never what, fun. are you talking about the William Cat program from the early 80s? <laughs> I'm sorry, I even brought it up. But uh, <laughs> there's a great story of Billy Corgan in the studio, and he was uh, auditioning drummers after, I guess, maybe his drummer died of heroin. Or maybe his drummer got gotta, kicked I'm out. Gotta look this up. But 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 anyway, he was auditioning drummers, and he um, he was auditioning like famous drummers. And uh, when they would sit, they, they he would come into the room. They'd be there at their kit, like ready to rehearse or ready to uh, audition. And he would refer to them as drummer. Oh really, drummer? Let's play that one more time, drummer. Let's. Can you do that a little bit slower next? Like time? the way you refer to your chauffeur as driver. I believe so. I think it's okay to refer to someone who's not in the room with the um, with a definite article. It mm-hmm. is not cool to remove the definite article mm-hmm. when the when you're speaking to the person. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think wanna, that's that's not appropriate. Somebody's painting your house. You don't go outside and say, "Painter, I want you to." I mean, you, I don't know. <laughs> well, there are a couple of people. There are a couple of people in in Northwest bands who might do that. Waterboarder, my flight boards, so to speak, in 35 minutes. Just give me a light boarding. We're getting very close to Colin territory now. <laughs> opener? Postman, postman. They never referred to you as opener? <laughs> he never referred to me as opener, but I think it was because there was, there, he, it, it, even through all of his condescension to me, there was enough, there was enough just native fear. Yeah. That I was going to eat his face. Yeah, summer, he, summer of nineteen ninety six. According to this very old webpage, it's the keyboardist from the band yeah. Smashing Pumpkins who do not have, like Foo Fighters, do not have a definite article on their name. Keyboardist, keyboardist. don't die of heroin. You know, all, the keyboardist is almost never a real member of the band. After about nineteen, I'm going to say after what was his name, Jonathan Kane. I'm going to say after Journey, 
there weren't that many people, unless it was the primary interest in, 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 instrumentalist like, like the great Billy Joel, there aren't right. that many people. Oh. I kid, I kid, I kid. I'm coming around. I'm coming around a little bit. Uh, um, uh, yeah, the, the guy who played his keyboard uh, literally fastened to the outside of a warehouse building in that famous video. Dun, 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 oh, no. Dun. You're talking about where they're shaking their fists at the camera? Yeah, the fist shakers. <sighs> Boy, that video was tough to watch, and they had sleeveless shirts for, of the time. But, you know, jo- Jonathan, Ka- you know, Jonathan Kane, I think he's got the writing credit, a big writing credit on Open Arms, if memory serves. Oh, well, I think he's a great musician. Yeah. You know who, uh, you know who has a lot of dead keyboard players is the Grateful Dead. Is that right? Oh, they got yeah. the pig pen. Pig pen. Right, and then also, also also a peanuts character. I'll mention in passing. Yeah, he uh, he did not make it all the way, and uh, and then their keyboard player later uh, from the from the seventies and eighties mm-hmm. um, also died of the heroin. Didn't uh, didn't uh, speaking of REM? Didn't they briefly have an undead keyboard player? <laughs> Brent Midland was the keyboard player of the the Grateful Dead, and he died when I was. He died right at the time. There was a brief moment in my life when I uh, socialized, interacted with, socially, uh, deadheads. Really? And, and I'm going to say that this was the summer of 1990. Oh, God. The summer of 1990, I, went, I was living in Washington, D.C., and I went through a brief period where I, where I was socializing with Grateful Dead people mm. because I was working for Ralph Nader at the time. <laughs> In Washington D.C., <laughs> and uh, and a lot, a lot of his volunteers. <laughs> grateful that. Anyway, and right at that mm. time, Brent Midland died of heroin, mm. and uh, and he was. Uh, I mean, and and, and I I had understood I had understood the Grateful Dead for many years. I I knew uh, I knew a lot about them, <laughs> but he was he was not a canonical for me member of the band. Like he was he was like oh oh who. Like mm-hmm. the guy, the bearded guy over, like, sure. But he died and, and all these people, like these girls that I kind of was wondering about whether maybe, you know, maybe we could, uh, we could have a thing. Maybe we would take a long motorcycle ride or whatever. And they were all crying, like crying real tears of sorrow at the death of Brent Midland. And, um, and I realized that I could never, I could never be a full Grateful Dead person because I, I, I didn't have those. I didn't, my feelings were not that strong about, about the, about noodly keyboard parts. Well, I mean, and I, he never. I mean, that guy. I, I, as far as I could tell, he never said a word in interviews. He was just like cipher. I'm doing a little bit of last minute research here because I think I may have found something a little bit troubling. Oh, and there's a pretty good chance we're we're probably going to have to cut this out. Um, it seems to me, first of all, the Grateful Dead. Uh, part of the problem is their songs uh, have never ended. They're all going on somewhere. That's probably a separate topic. It seems to me the keyboard players are usually the one who dies. In the Grateful Dead, they have had at least... Is this, is this, is this an old joke? Like, drummers are dumb? Like, is it just me, or do keyboard players just fucking die? I, uh, every keyboard player... The Grateful Dead had a lot of keyboard players, including, I might add, Bruce Hornsby. Hmm. But, uh, who is not dead, as far as I know. No. But, um, I, you know, I imagine... Having been a keyboard player in a band... I was the keyboard player in Harvey Danger before, uh, before my, my big bass you better, you better watch your ass, buddy. Well, but this is the thing. You sit behind the keyboard. Mm-hmm. It's a thankless job. You can't, you can't get up. There's nothing exciting about it, right? I mean, the band is, even in the moment, even in the band's peak moment, at the top of the set where you're just like flying and you're, you guys are just playing, the, playing, your, absolute, playing your number one hit, you are sitting behind a desk. 
Mm. There's no other way to look at it. And so all the attempts that that a keyboard player might make, like standing up or kicking over his chair or being Billy Joel or fastening your keyboard to the side of a warehouse, mm-hmm. none of those things can take away the the uh, the like incontrovertible truth that you are a man behind a desk. Even if you even if you have, if I may say, a key tar, that's really more of a, of a of a desk tar. It's a desk tar. You're just a guy standing up at a desk. And I, I don't know if you uh, if you saw the. You saw the uh, Queens of the Stone Age when they had the female keyboard player who had who worked up a keyboard stand where the keyboard was actually like teetering forward. Oh, so you, so you could see her licks? You could see her licks and she was playing like like over the top of this thing. It was the weirdest looking keyboard stand and she was a cute gothy girl and they were a hard rock band. I never still, saw this. I like that still band. standing at a desk. I'll be damned. And you know, the thing is, I think you're, you're onto something here. I think there are now, what about hmm, what about drummers? Do you think do you think drumming is a desk? Oh, interesting. Because here's why. I'm going to give you some examples here. Well, first of all, let's let's cover the obvious ground here. It's a desk of cans. It's a desk of cans. Hmm. Hmm. Now, 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 the thing is, there have been many people who have tried to address this problem. I'm trying to remember some specifics here. Now, as you say, this uh, this Queens of the Stone Age lady had a uh, had a, a forward leaning one. I feel like yes, I've seen keytars. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just don't understand. I mean, the the, the, the indignity of a keytar. I mean, that, that, that's like a tar and feathering when it comes to being in a band. I mean, how do you choose? Could you say, please hand me the keytar? I don't. I, th- I think, I think. If Jan we, Hammer, if, Jan Hammer, big on the keytar. If you and I were younger, mm-hmm. if we were 23 years old and we were both right now, uh, let's say I was wearing white varnays and you were wearing some sunglasses that you got for free from a bank. Check. And we were uh, starting a band that was a pastiche of 80s uh, disco pop and uh, 90s indie rock and I don't know what the kids... And hip-hop, hip-hop. Here's our band, and uh, one of and there's, a, there's one keytar, and you and I have to flip for who plays it. Okay. I think... Is it, I is think it, the, a, is it a fixed coin or is it a fair coin? I think it's a fair coin. Okay. And, I, I, and I, think, I think we would be... I think the person who didn't get the keytar would be disappointed if we were 23. Oh, oh! You're saying you're twenty. You're saying twenty three in period. Yeah. I, I'm thinking especially. Let's be honest. Especially, and I don't know how I couldn't. I, I do this thing. I know you're not familiar with comics, but I do this thing. I call it the Wolverine chord because mm. you know Wolverine's got these three claws. I can play. I think I told you about this at your home. Shick. I can play snicked. I can play almost Whatever. any. Mm, I can. <laughs> Half bell. You know what you get? You get an angry bell. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but no, I showed you this. I showed you this. I can play almost any major, minor, or suspended fourth chord, as long as it's in C, with my three hand, uh, fingers on my right hand. Uh, so any, any suspended chord, as long as it's in C. Well, I, you know, like everyone, as you, as you know, I prefer a D suspended fourth. Right. But I would need to have, uh, I think it's called, uh, I think it's what Jonathan uh, Colton calls concert tuning. I would have to have a yeah. concert tune down to D, or drop D, as you say. John, Jonathan Colton uh, he explained, also He explained that, that tuning to me, and I still don't really understand it. Yeah. And uh, you fits. know, you are a much better guitar player than you let on. Mm. I think you've actually taught oh my me My gosh, that's like- such a nice thing to say, John. I, I, I taught you that little um, country thing, right? Yeah, but watching you play the guitar, you have the uh, you have that quality that, uh, that, I, that I see... Kind of very seldom, where a person with an artistic impulse picks up an instrument, teaches it to themselves, and they come up with something that no one else would have thought of. Oh, like you mean like playing my D's backwards because I learned from fake books? 
Yeah, or or just kind of your approach to the instrument. It's like, oh, uh, this is this is interesting. I am watching this now, and I'm seeing something I haven't seen. Before. You think it's a different approach than yours? You, you, if memory serves, you started on tennis rackets, playing along to uh, uh, British Steel. I, I started on tennis rackets, and then I've told you this story. Yes, I? I went. I went to a punk rock show, and uh, it was one of those shows in Anchorage in the early '80s where um, there were five bands on the bill, and between all five bands there was one person who had ever seen an instrument before or could do anything with it it was just it was just a DIY it was at the, it was at the youth center and it was just a pure racket <laughs> but at, at one of the bands came out on stage and the guitar player like smashed his guitar all over the place and uh i ran up after the after their set and grabbed the neck of his guitar and and i honestly it was like it was like eric clapton had given me his his prized black Stratocaster. The, how much I prized this broken neck from an Arbor. Um, it was an Arbor uh, Explorer copy or something like that. Wow. And I took this neck home, and I and I now I had a real guitar neck, and this was the first kind of guitar oh. anything I had. This is like one of those Holocaust keyboards. It doesn't make any sound. You practice on it, but it doesn't make a noise. Right. And I had <gasps> here. Here it was. This this neck. It was a real neck. Oh man. And. So I tried for a while to like air guitar just with the neck of the guitar, but I found it insufficient. That's like masturbating with just your balls. Hmm. Hang, you know what? I'm going to write that down. I haven't tried I'm that. ready for a change. Wait a minute. Just anyway, so I went out to the garage at one point and I found an old chessboard and I took the chessboard and I attached the guitar neck to the like, chessboard. Like, like a thick wooden heavy chessboard. Yeah, chessboard, right? <laughs> and I and I screw I took I took the the screwdriver and I screwed this guitar neck into the chessboard. Except because you remember this is the early eighties where checkerboard uh was a very popular motif. Mm-hmm. And I so I screwed the neck of the guitar into this uh into this checker chessboard, but I put the I put it at an I put it at a at an angle so that the guitar was actually a diamond shape. Oh man. Right? Right? <sighs> and then I had a homemade air guitar that was no it was better than a tennis racket because no one had one that looked like this. And um and I air guitared to many, many, many a ZZ Top song with that thing before I decided that it was time to learn how to play the guitar. I you know what? In its own really twisted way, I think that's kind of healthy and interesting. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I mean, more so more so than if you just stuck with a tennis racket, you know what I mean? You would be doing a pretty standard, like, John Hughes movie way right. to learn guitar. Right. In, in your case, I think you're going a little bit more backwoods, and I, yeah. and I really respect that. I made my first instrument, even though it was not actually an instrument. It was a fake instrument. But that's I made probably how st- Les Paul started. Maybe Les Paul's guitars didn't make sound at first. Hmm. Interesting thought. Well, it's got, you got to start somewhere, right? Right. I like that idea. Well, I mean, this guitar had heft. It had a real neck mm-hmm. so that I could run my hands up and down and feel the frets underneath it. And, uh, and uh, you know, it felt very individual. Let's see. What were my, my top air guitar records were Leonard Skinner's Golden Platinum. That's a Greatest Hits double album. I don't know that. Uh, this was, these, were, these were vinyl records, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What else did I air guitar a lot to? Um, uh, Billy Squire's Emotions and Motions, of course. Um. Van Halen, uh, Women and Children First. Oh, man. Great air guitar record. Is that the one with Unchained? Yes. Oh, my God. And uh, you know what? I'm not afraid to say uh, The Scorpions Worldwide Live. Oh, well, why would you be afraid to say that? You know what I mean? That's a record that 
That's a record that a lot of people don't listen to now. I was at a it, bar the other night and heard Can't Live Without You, and I, I just preternaturally, unconsciously, I, I couldn't help it. I just started singing along with the chorus. You have to. You have to, because the Scorpions are great. And The Scorpions, and, as you have said, are the great working men of, of, of metal. The great working men of metal and and they're Germans to boot. They came to Alaska and they gave, uh, what's that, uh, uh, Kla- not Klaus Meine, um, uh, uh, not Root, not Schenker. Um, oh, yeah, Matthias Jobs. He gave Matthias you the eye. He gave you the eye. That's right. The you, Scorps. Rockin'. The Scorps. I think, you know what? I did. You're, this is a lot of overlap here. I was scared of Judas Priest. Um, yeah, right, as you would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, British Steel, that was something like the bad kids in denim jackets wrote on their folders. If they had oh, folders. A lot of them didn't have folders. They lived in trailer homes. You know who I met the other day? I met the guitar tech for Iron Maiden. No way. Yeah, I met him out on the street in Seattle during Bumper Shoot. What do you think they play? I think they play, like, eights or nines? They're probably pretty small. Although, who knows? Maybe they maybe they play 13s. And, and these guys have have hands like oak trees. I love that Steve Harris boy. I could listen to that guy play bass all day. He's yeah. amazing. He's amazing. Okay. This, this guy, this, uh, this the guitar tech was, I have met a lot of English uh, touring sound men, guitar techs. Is that tech, right? Tech people. Yes, I have. Hmm. And they all share a similar character, which is to say that they are, they're like working, very working class. They're very no nonsense. And, um, and the, the, they give off the, they give off the air that they're like tough guys. Like they're like, they're like, fuck you kind of tough, tough, Tough dudes, tough English guys. Mm-hmm. But when you really, you know, get to meet them, you realize that they're they're guitar techs. So you I mean, find out they could probably be very gentle with a young girl. They're, yeah, they're functionally pussies. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they live in this like rough and tumble world where they're touring around. They they kind of they 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 adopt a manner of like interstate truckers. But in fact, they're just tuning guitars all day. It's not like. There are no knife fights. But as you've learned from, I think, probably 42% of all ACDC songs, it's very hard to be in a touring rock band. Ho, ho, hello. Boy, have they got a lot of songs about how hard it is to be in a successful band. Well, because they were getting new and more virulent strains of herpes every night. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah, that's why it was so hard to be in ACDC. Can you imagine how hard it would be to travel with herpes? Well, or just like every night, like oh, my herpes is killing me, and then you play. Because you know what show. happens if you get if you get if you get a uh, a stress bump on your wang- <laughs> on your wangus, as they call it in Australia. You know what that does? That opens you up to another infection. It's like you get a wound, you get a meta wound. All right, now this is I. I'm sorry to take it here. Yeah, but but the conversation has naturally arrived here. Okay, this is not a thing that I have been introducing unnaturally. I didn't kiss anybody bad. But my understanding, I just learned this last night. Okay. Is that in certain Orthodox Jewish communities, the oh, the uh, the rabbi who performs the circumcision, mm-hmm. the the mule, <clears throat> actually performs the last. He uses a knife to cut the foreskin, and he actually performs the last portion of that uh, ceremony with his mouth. And uh, this, in, is, this is or or, or, or you. <clears throat> He, he, John, he bites, John, are you he, sure this isn't one of those those making uh, making babies into matzo bread things? Because this could cause us a lot of trouble. Are you, are you are you saying that this is this is a protocol of the elders of Zion problem? No, I heard this. I heard this. You heard this. You heard this from the English roadie. I heard this from a source. Here's a here's a problem. Them guys with the. Uh, <laughs> You guys, he puts, always... he puts his mouth right on, right on, right on the penis. I can't even do an accent anymore. <laughs> but in any case, the problem is that in New York City, seventy percent of all men have herpes. Oh come! Oh Jesus, Jonah Lehrer, what the have, fuck? Where did you come up with that? 
They've John, had to outlaw this practice, or they are trying to outlaw this practice God, because that because is a long walk through a discredited university, my rabbis, friend. Rabbis, rabbis are giving newborn babies herpes from their mouth bumps. I don't want. I don't, I don't want to make this about Howard Hughes, but this is the problem with contagion. Contagion <laughs> this, is this contagious. Is with, this is the problem with contagion. It's also the problem of hearing stuff from somebody and then saying it on uh, the interwebs. Hmm. But you know what? I'm going to have to do uh, – first, I'm going to clean my keyboard, and then I'm, I'm going to do a lot of research and probably cut almost all of this out. But yep. that's, that's, that's remarkable. You see 77 out of 10 men in – now, is this in the, in the uh, metropolitan New York area? I'm going to say that it's all of New York, including Staten Island, all the boroughs. Does, does Jonathan Colton know this, or does he know this too well? I don't know. The, the people that I he know... He travels in, a lot, John. He does, but I, but these are people in New York who are getting herpes in New York. And they're still getting herpes. Are people still getting herpes, John? I think they are. They get it from... They, 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 you know, they ride those subways. They're all close to each other. Oh, God. You you know what? It's well, probably, herpes is probably going through there like, like, uh, like electricity through a Tesla coil. Oh. Just from one end of the train to the but other. That's, the guy, mi- that's, just, that's just miserable. Now, do you think... Now, do you have any sense of the, uh, the ladies in the uh, metropolitan area? Do you have, are they aware... A, are they aware of this fact? And B, are they taking precautions? Are they staying off the subways and the Tesla coils? My is, sense is that girls in New York don't really make themselves available for can sex. Women get ter- can, can women get herpes? Is that Do we know? I think. Okay. Legitimate herpes. It's much, it's much easier to get pregnant Yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, if you're a woman than it is to get herpes. Hmm. Okay. Um, I would that, say... And you know what? 70%. Yeah. 70%. 70%. Is, John, that is a lot of percent. That's even more than a plurality. That's yes, a that's lot. true. That's a lot. I um. That you would be. That's enough to. Uh, that, that's enough to overcome a filibuster. <laughs> you know what? That'd be a great new name for for cold sores. Hmm, what would filibuster? You can so say I got. I got. I want to. I want to try and break this filibuster. I like that. Yeah, it's something. Okay. Well, moving on. Uh, so we've got. Uh, we've got. <laughs> so I think we covered a lot of ground I, already. This I, is terrific. Yeah, I made a joke the other day that uh, oh, that's, uh, that storming your embassy was going to be my new uh, my new way of my new euphemism for for having sex with someone. <laughs> my computer broke again. <laughs> and then somebody on Facebook was like, gave me a lecture about American heroes dying overseas, and now it wasn't funny. Yeah, well, why don't we take this up over on the Pro Anna Forum? <laughs> You're looking at Pro Anna Forum? That's a that's a rough, rough ride. <laughs> oh God, I wish I had a cough button. Yeah, cough button. My mine were I'm gonna say um, probably Breakout by Scorpions. Yeah, which I got through the Columbia Music uh, Music Organization. I got. I, uh, I, let's see. I would store. say um, definitely Blizzard of Oz. Blizzard of Oz. Oh, well, you know, I went to the Washington State Fair the other day. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I went, like all the different all the different uh, f- uh, fair things where you throw the the darts at the balloons or you throw the hoops at the bottles or whatever, they were all playing different Aussie tracks to to attract people. I guess. I mean, they were playing Aussie at the at the state fair in 1980, uh, and I'm just wondering. It's been a long time since I've been to a state fair. <gasps> Is Aussie just like state fair music? You might be in a wormhole. Oh, you mm. might you might be in a Washington wormhole. You know, I, it is weird. It is weird that the, the, these kinds of these horrible, horrible events, just full of terrible, bad people, have mm. been around for centuries, right? You got mm. you know, the Seventh Seal, right? You come to town, you got your got your Max von Sydow's, and you go around and play chess and shit. Like that's right. been around forever. Coming to town and fucking shit up. But it, it is a funny thing that everything that happens at one of these traveling fairs feels like it's happening somewhere between 1972 and 1981, maybe. Yeah, right. Like carnies are stuck there forever. 
Like, what did they give away before Coke mirrors? We covered this in, in, in a previous visit, but it seems to me that a lot of the prizes you got you got stuffed animals that are extremely hard. Yeah. Have you ever felt a stuffed animal from a fair? It's not yes. real. It's not real cushy. I think I think it's stuffed with like sawdust and and you know like counterfeit money or something. Yeah. Well, the, here here are the things that I, I bet saw a lot of them have the, drugs. I bet I bet I bet a surprising number of them have an amount of drugs in them that people I forgot about. Know. They have. They, they, I don't think the drugs are inside, but the, uh, there's definitely drugs on the fur. Hmm. But here here are the things that I saw for the first time at a state fair. Okay. I saw a Coke bottle that had been heated up and ex- and uh, pulled so that it was like four feet tall. Spooky. Remember that? Remember I that? so remember that. It had a little so, twist. And you go, how did they do that? That's right. And then uh, I saw the uh, the invisible dog, mm-hmm. where you have the you have the dog leash, and then there's a harness, but it, and but there's no dog in it. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Right? I have, so it's called the invisible dog. The invisible dog. Mm-hmm. I saw my first Coke mirror. I saw my first feathered earring slash. Uh, roach clip, tee roach clip, roach clip, uh, air, earring. Mm-hmm. Then these are before these are before you could buy dream catchers on the open market. Boy, there really is. A, there's a that, the Venn diagram is is really exhaustive. I think when it comes to dream catchers, I think you move straight from uh, feathered roach clip in, into uh, a dream catcher. And just for what it's worth, John, I think dream catchers don't work. Can you know that for sure? Well, you ever seen the car that most dream catchers are in? That's true. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the maybe now, dream catchers are supposed to be like worry dolls. There's supposed to be something where they, they let you catch your dreams and lets all the bad thoughts go through. Oh, I, I'm with you though. When I would go to those places, even I, I always felt because because I am what was the word you used uh, about English pussies? What did you call them? Uh, hmm. Roadies? Manuf- yeah, yeah. What was the I'm going to get used? so many angry letters. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> written with a quill pen, Gavna. But uh, no, I would always feel a little bit menaced at those. I saw all kinds of things. You know, we get obviously you get a lot of fried foods. You get a lot of corn dogs. You get yeah. uh, a lot of. Uh, you know what? I, you know what I first saw. <clears throat> I take candy. it back. Excuse me. <clears throat> Cough button. Uh, I remember on one occasion, my best friend John and I um, went to uh, Disney World when I was about, I, th- I would have to be about 13 or 14. And in age when this was entirely inappropriate, we had matching airbrushed shirts uh, with the cover of Wolverine number one on it. Uh, and they, we They both, didn't say Merlin and John on them, did they? They might have. They, but, but like on each other's <laughs> BFF. No, no, we were, we were two, uh, we were two really awkward guys in matching airbrush t-shirts and we each went to the magic shop and bought um a plastic faucet with a suction cup on it and oh. wore, wore it on our foreheads for the whole day I, I had that i never wore it on my forehead but i had it john i know you're i know you're not a uh, a physiologist but do you have a pretty good idea can you just guess what happens when you wear a very very powerful suction cup on your forehead for nine hours you get a black and blue giant uh, circle like, on your forehead. It's like a faucet hickey, like a plumbing. <laughs> I had so for for seriously, my hand to God for really much, really bad for one day, but for close to three days, it looked like somebody had hit me on the head <laughs> with an ex, with extreme precision and made a, an exact circle of purple on my head. Oh, at that exact same age. Yeah, I was sitting in the lunchroom at one point, and I had a I had a a cup, a plastic cup, and I had put it around my mouth. And was sucking all the air out of it to create a vacuum, at, so that this cup was like around my around my nose and mouth, I guess. Right. And I had I. I sure, you wanted this, to push it. You wanted to push it, right? I wanted to push it. I pushed it all the way, and then I had this black and blue circle around my face. It was the equivalent, really, uh, of sticking your tongue to a to a frozen pole. Like I, I felt like such a tool. 
four days after that, I just had this like, there's nothing you can do. You can't stay home from school. You know, it's not. No, a once thing. you, I mean, if you know, well, you remember the trick? If you give somebody a hickey, supposedly you could run a comb over it. You remember, you remember that trick? No, I was a good. I was a pretty big hickey giver. I didn't even I, realize I was doing it. I think I might have been been possessed or something. I never gave a hickey, and I wouldn't allow somebody to give me a hickey. In fact, to this day, if somebody starts suck, sucking on my neck, I'm yeah. like, hey, 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 easy, easy. Is that because? What, was that because of uh, your perimeter or because your body's a temple? What, what's the thinking? You just don't enjoy it. All right. So I was at a civil uh, civil air patrol <laughs> encampment in about 1981, and this was a co-ed encampment. Although there, I have to say there were not that many girls in the Civil Air Patrol, but there were some. It was a, it was, and it was a, it was a two week long encampment at Eielson Air Force Base in Fairbanks, Alaska, and we were occupying. We were all staying in the old, the old barracks that had been built during World War II, hmm. and at one point, one of the guys got a hickey from one of the girls, and it was this terrible purple uh welt and there was no there was no disguising it because we're in uniform you know we're we're wearing our dress blue uniforms you can't like accessorize that with a scarf they hadn't gone like queen elizabeth the first camp no 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 we weren't we were (laughs) we we weren't in the in elizabethan uh air force camp dicky camp and so he had to like stand there at at uh, at inspection in his blues, or, or I guess inspection he was he would have been in his fatigues, but uh, but with this giant pulsating purple mess on his neck, oh, no. and the uh, the sergeant, who of course was also thirteen years old. <laughs> This is the inspecting, uh, <laughs> the inspecting commi- off- uh, uncommissioned yeah. officer. Yeah, the non-commissioned, <laughs> non-commissioned officer. officer. I mean, I was eleven, and the guy with the hickey was probably thirteen. Let's say that. Let's say the the sergeant was fifteen. Just dressed him down in front of everybody, uh, unprofessional, un you know, unmilitary, out of uniform, all this type of thing, and it left a lasting impression on me that if you got a hickey, you would be out of uniform. There was no, you you could you could not be, you could not be in uniform with a hickey. Uh, what, like, an, what an unusual angle! It's like they, they they don't let you get neck tattoos in the navy Mm-mm. because you're out of uniform. Mm-hmm. So that stuck with me until this day. And, now, and it's you know, a distraction to esprit de corps. I, that's exactly right. And I don't I don't like to be out of uniform. You know that about me. No, no. You see, it seems to me that that as eclectic as your wardrobe is, you you have an innate sense of of what the uh, of what the uniform of, as we used to call it in military school, the uniform of the day is. Precisely. They would announce that every day at our school. It was almost always the same thing, but you'd have to be ready. You might have to put your blues on just because they yeah. said so. Yeah. And when I wake up in the morning, I have the I have a series of questions that I ask right away, as hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, But also, I, I listen for the uniform of the day announcement, and sometimes it says, Space Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Has your job gotten hotter than fresh pump chili? Tired of kissing the wrong bird? Mired down by your manager's fear of even the slightest frisson in corporate discourse? Well, you're not alone. Igloo software understands your pain. Igloo helps you work better with other people by keeping your team, your files, and your conversations together in one digital workplace. You can even work from home in your all-together, sealed-to-your-red-leather chair just steps away from all your favorite globes, candlesticks, and cowboy boots, as you do. So go to igloosoftware.com slash findyourduck and sign up for your free 30-day trial. Bring your team in from the cold by getting inside the igloo. In any case, <laughs> and sometimes it says, <laughs> and you say, you say, yes, sir, I can do yes, that. Yes, sir. Sometimes it says preppy asshole. Sometimes it says like, you know, coke fiend. 
I never, I never did much of anything on a team, and when I did things on a team, I didn't do it well. But there are certain things I, I picked up in military school, including my cold sore, that I, I'm, I'm really glad I've kept with me, and that I think yeah. that I think about a lot. Uh, if somebody the, says about face, you know how to do about face. Oh man, I can still do it all. I was talking about doing the rifle drills last. I was on drill team, so yeah. I mean, I was I was pretty good. I was pretty good. But uh, you know, one I always like. I have to tell you, I, I don't know if this could find any place in, in your life, but you know, you have the most of the time you're in a pseudo official environment like you're in uniform right and uh you know there's no um oh gosh what was the great there's no 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 skylarking you know Mm -hmm. no smoking no spitting like there's all the rules that are you know tacit in in being a pseudo uh, military paramilitary teenager right but then you're in like the official capacity when you're not at ease right and if you're in a situation like turn your hat on backwards oh shit no oh my god no oh geez louise your belt buckle better be polished and your shoes and don't use mop and glow that's cheaty your Don't gig cheat. line had better be straight, if you know what I'm saying. If you're if you're really in a hurry, you could use mop and glow, but it's going to be pretty obvious, and you might get a demerit. So, Did you blouse your pants? Um, I I don't know what that means, and I guess I want to know what is what is blousing your pants. Blousing your pants is a thing that we used to do hmm. uh, in the military, which they don't do anymore. Which is that your the bottoms the bottom <sighs> hem of your pants is like tucked into the top of your boots. Ah, oh, such a cool look. And then bloused out so that it's it's like your boots are tight on your ankles and then That's a little pants. tactical for what we were doing. But that that's I've loved that look. It's super cool. It's a little bit, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit a little bit yeah, a little bit 1943, but like pretty cool. That was so our our fatigue uniform even for PT had bloused pants. We weren't kidding around in the in the Alaska Civil Air Patrol. You didn't have something a little less formal that was still a uniform in those situations. We, oh, had, we was... had we had dress we had dress blues. Yeah, uh, we had dress blues. Uh, one of my favorites was salt and pepper, which is when you have a white shirt with epaulets with your rank on it and black pants. I thought that was a sharp look. Well, that is a sharp look. We had uh, I forget what they called it, but our everyday was um, gosh, this is, this is coming back to me just a little bit. It was was khaki pants and a short sleeve shirt short sleeve khaki shirt um and then sometimes there's a term they used like with lids or something i don't know there was Uh some term for when you had to wear your hat which kind of sucked and then we had uh we had like uh, i'm trying to remember there was a slightly more informal one that was a little bit little bit even gayer which i think was like a white t-shirt with khakis it was a a little bit like you know tom's of maine is that the one tom's of finland yeah Yeah. tom's of finland that's that's where you're one's a toothpaste and the other one's yeah tom's of maine makes toothpaste and tom's of finland makes uh sexy drawings Yeah, and even even our gym uniforms were were, were highly you know prescribed. You that had, was for swabbing the deck, right? The khakis with. But the like, t- here, I mean, this is the thing, and I, this is this, this is getting to this deeper point, which is that when you know when we were dressed, you would dress out for for whatever, and it was whatever the name of the uniform was. This is thirty some years ago, yeah. but you know you'd wear these the Admiral Farragut Academy shorts, and then you would either wear the white Admiral Farragut Academy. Uh, shirt, or more often, you would wear the shirt for your company. And of course, I was in fourth company and had a purple oh. shirt. So it was, oh. but I mean, everybody showed up and you didn't show up in a different shirt. You just didn't do that. It no. Was, and you certainly didn't show up with a hickey. Well, it's a couple like guys got I, thrown out for, for, for that kind of stuff. Oh, you would get through. Yeah, yeah, you should have been thrown out of this encampment at Isleson Air Force Base, but they, they stuck around. Were somehow. you secretly or unsecretly uh, disappointed that that, that that guy didn't get a uh, didn't get a blanket party, didn't get a, uh, Absolutely. a code red? Absolutely. I thought should they should have code, 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 code red. Code red. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, and in fact, that was where I learned how to short sheet beds. 
Hmm. Uh, and I think, but but this guy well, that's was frustrating uh, for a minute. It really is. <laughs> and I try and apply it all the time, but nobody makes their bed anymore. <sighs> I'll so never forget one day at Christian camp, uh, I, I got the skunk bunk. I was so. Uh, you ever have that? You, got, you ever you remember skunk bunk? What's the skunk bunk? <sighs> so humiliating. At uh, at the at breakfast, they do all the announcements, and they announce like whose cabin oh, is this? Worst bed. I had the worst bed in the whole camp. I was the skunk bunk, and I, I've never oh, been so humiliated, that is humiliated by a man in my life. It was awful. I, uh, I learned hospital corners. I could, you could bounce a quarter off I my could, bed. I, man, I, I could, the beds that I made when I was finally in actual military school, when I moved on from Christianity to paramilitary gear, I, I made the fuck out of a bed. I had yeah. really, I got nines and tens every day. Me and Brian Bond. Bet, I bet you could make a hell of a bed. I make a hell of a bed if I want to. I can tuck that shit in. Quarters bounce, buddy. You can bounce a pound off that shit. You know, my most embarrassing moment was uh, when, I, when I was playing rugby for uh, Gonzaga University. <laughs> <laughs> And I decided <laughs> you were there. We were you there for like two months. How long were oh, you there? I was at Gonzaga for two years before you got before you were asked, asked to leave. Before I was escorted off the campus. Uh, before <laughs> Mr. Went, Roderick, Mr. Roderick, <laughs> we've had a series of meetings, and we just can't make this work. <laughs> before I was escorted off the campus for the last time, I should I should clarify because I was escorted off the campus a few times. But I was on the rugby team, and I felt uh, somehow, you know, rugby shirts are very expensive, particularly the the, 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 the real ones with the rubber buttons. Yeah, the pro ones are are, are not cheap. And uh, I had come to college with my own selection of rugby shirts because it was the '80s, and rugby shirts were what guys like me wore. Uh, and uh, Gonzaga's colors were navy blue and white, and I had I had a I had a uh, sky blue. And pale yellow rugby shirt. Oh, John, that that's felt- that's like being off a quarter tone. It's exactly. That's right. just I- that's that's like your. You know what it is? That's your G. That's your G string being just a little bit flat. That's that's exactly what it was. And I showed up. <sighs> I was wearing this thing, uh, <clears throat> and you know the the older guys. I was a freshman, of course. The older guys did not approve, but uh, you know I was a big kid or whatever, and everybody just kind of looked askance at it but but to my eternal shame i showed up for our our group picture wearing oh no this shirt and so here's this uh, there's a picture still hanging in the hallway of the main uh the main building at gonzaga university the the, the hall of fame or whatever there's a picture of that 1987 gonzaga rugby squad and me in a in an off color, oh, like John. light yellow of all the, of all the things. If it had been light blue and, John, and, if, that, and if, that had been, if that had been yearbook day, <clears throat> and each of you had had a separate photo in uniform, that would be merely horribly embarrassing. But you know, what you did you fucked it up. A for the rest of the team, and yep. B for posterity. Now, yep. an old guy who gave a gave a few thousand dollars to the school, he walks down that hall and he goes, "Who the fuck was this guy in 1986?" Exactly, that's exactly <sighs> right. Uh, well, that's I'll a real be, Billy Corgan move. I'll be dead a hundred years, oh, and somebody John. will be walking through Gonzaga University, looking at the dusty photographs, and they'll go, "Look at this jackass." I think they should find the technology to fix that. With all due respect to you, well, you know what? It's a, it's a, it is, it is an accurate record of the moment. It is an accurate record of the time. I was a jackass. And oh, I yeah, it. and Trotsky was never in any photos. <laughs> I think a big part of Super Train should be making things right. Hmm, okay. I mean, no, it's your, it's your train. Retroactively. Well, I'm just saying, well, retroactively, this is the beauty part. I mean, you know, Orwell was not writing in a vacuum. The beauty part about Stalin, 
is that is that he was so so able, <laughs> capable, nice and willing point. to change things over and over and over. Well, you look, need to look no further than our friend Mao. He was always right. changing his mind. And then when he That's changes right. his mind, everybody changes their mind. It's like the captain in Wally when he wakes up late and he makes it become breakfast time again. Same deal. Hmm. Well, Stalin would paint a guy out of the picture, and then three years later, he'd paint another guy out of the picture, and pretty soon he painted all the guys out of the picture, and somebody had to draw like a right. like a horizon line. And then it. he puts in like Totoro or Goofy or whoever. <laughs> and this is the some, problem with tattoos. Some happy little trees. See, and this is the problem with tattoos. Wow. You know, you got you got you got to live with that forever. You put Trotsky on your ass, and that's that's you're gonna be you're gonna be sitting on Leon like for the rest it. of you. You know what I'm saying? I feel like when we start talking about tattoos, you and I, yeah. We are alienating a great number of our listeners who are right now looking at their tattoos and feeling very proud about the choices that they made. Good for them. Yeah, and and I, and I don't want to make those, particularly if they got like a My Little Pony tattoo, right. mm-hmm. or they have a tattoo of themselves dressed a, as a Civil War reenactor. You know what else we're doing? What? Somebody who is about two days away from getting a tattoo is going to think twice about it, and that's why oh. it's worth saying. Interesting. Because mm. if, if I can make you feel bad about your tattoo... Mm. I'm just saying, that's why it should be a t-shirt. You wear that t-shirt for one year, you don't even take it off. Whatever it is. You want to put a bird on it? Put a bird on a t-shirt. You wear it every day. I got a wedding coming. No, fuck you. Wear your bird shirt. There you go. After a year, maybe you get a tattoo. You don't have to change it. My girlfriend, who was a redheaded girl. Yeah, this is the uh, mulatto uh, Irish... um, uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And after high school, this was the very dawn of uh, people who were not like active sailors... (laughs) Getting tattoos. I'm talking about 1986. Like it was not a thing yet. That's still pretty young. <clears throat> really early in the uh, in the like I'm not I'm not I am not actually. I don't like, even think research books were widely read at that point. <laughs> I am not carving scrimshaw. I am a normal person. And I'm going to get a tattoo. And she got a tattoo of a little red haired witch riding a broom, and she got it in her bikini area. And she was so proud of this thing. Was it flying away from it or toward it? It was flying above it. It was it was next to it and flying as though to go over. Oh, uh, okay, like a cow. It was gonna. It was it was the witch that jumped over the bush. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the little red haired witch was. I guess it was her spirit animal. She actually was a witch, and I don't mean a spellcasting witch, like a Wiccan. No, she was a witch, like a terrible girl. <laughs> A, br- a bruja, I believe. <laughs> and she got this tattoo, and she was so proud of it. She was like, you know, there it is for all the world to see. And I was like, it's not for all the world to see. It's just for people who get your panties off to see. Yeah. And presumably by the time someone has your panties off, they already know what a little witch you are. That's like socks for Christmas, John. You know, you see the, you see the box, you open it up, and it's, it's eight pair of gold toes. You go, shit. I thought, I thought this was going to be Star Wars jammies. You know, you know what I'm I saying? Got, if I got a box with eight pairs of gold toes in it right now, I'd be pretty glad, actually. Well, you know, I, I, I told you this is how I was able to give Hodgman a fresh pair of socks. I just, I just bought 16 pair of gold toe socks. I never looked back. Never looked back. That's really nice. You know, that, and that's a thing. That's a thing. If, you're, if you are able to give a friend a fresh pair of socks mm-hmm. and say, you know what? Keep them. Presence of mind. Bring that extra is- socks. You're never going to not need more socks. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, <sighs> uh, Richard, uh, Richard Manuel uh, from, yes. uh, from the band... Dead, yeah. dead, yeah. suicide in Florida. Yeah. Uh, uh, the keyboard player from uh, Springsteen's keyboard player, dead. Oh, that's right. He did die. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying, of all the people in bands, it appears to be the keyboard player. I don't want to make a big deal about it. I don't. You're uh, sitting behind a desk, and there's, no, there's really nothing to do but, but do heroin. 
because there's a lot of times where you're just vamping. You're vamping. You're playing some. You've, you've, you know, pr- presumably by the time that you are the keyboard player in a very successful band, mm-hmm. you're probably a great pianist. You could be sitting in the. You could be sitting at a grand piano at, at one of the elevator lobbies of a Nordstrom somewhere playing Montavani or whatever it is they play at Nordstrom's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we were having dinner this weekend with the Nordstrom's. <laughs> and uh, and yet you're back there going dun dun. And maybe twice in the set. One day, love will find you. <laughs> twice in the set, the singer turns around, points at you, and you get to go. Ooh, you get to you get to change the envelope and the filter. Ooh. Or if you're in Heart or or the Steve Miller band, you get to like play the Moog for a second and go. Or you get to turn up your arp chord on the quiet part before the last chorus. But then the rest of the time you're just sitting back there, and it's like I could do crossword puzzles, or I could do some. Well, and, and think and, about think about how how much of it is you know via things like triggering and sequencers, you know nowadays. Now, I'm not saying there's no role for these folks in it, but it's not like true. you're Howard Jones out there, you know, with your little fucking one man band and the symbols between your knees. Howard Jones, man, that hair. Anyway, uh, Paul so, Young, you know, he had he had hair too. Paul Young, you know, um, his version of uh, level terror. Terrace apart, Terrace apart, level Terrace apart was the version I heard before I heard Joy Division's version. Isn't it odd how you can do that? How you can, yeah. F- yeah. I, but I, I that, got a lot of things to wrap up. Please continue. That doesn't happen anymore, of course, because people now have access to all music from all time instantly. Yeah, it's easier than ever to be over something. You know, you can't be over something if you went down to the Albertsons and spent five dollars and sixty nine cents on it. You're going to fucking listen to Cheap Tricks one on one until you love it. Period. Yeah. We don't have to go over this again. Mike. I know, I know. But the thing is, I, I, here's one thing I like, though, in military school. I didn't like it at the time, but I'm, I'm starting to understand the appeal. If you are in that official, uh, kind of an official formation, if something happens... Roof showers. Mm, no, 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 no. Oh, gosh, no. Ooh, boy, group showers. Isn't, haven't we learned enough from history, John? Just, group just showers. Don't go in a room where they say everybody takes a shower. Can we just all agree that's a bad idea? You know, and there, in, my, in my junior high... In my junior high, the coach stood at the doorway of the shower. Oh God, that's wholesome. With a, a with a clipboard, and he checked your name off if you if he saw you take a shower, and if you didn't, if he if you did not like go past him, standing at the door, take your towel off and take a shower, so that he could see that you had wetted yourself from top to bottom. If you didn't do that, it was impossible to get an A in gym. So, oh, 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 so, so, oh, hang on a minute, because you're saying something very important here, which is it's one thing to say that you're going to get uh, like a point off of your weekly whatever with that, but you're saying something quite different. You're saying the biggest faggots in the class, which are the people who want straight A's, like me, right? He's going to withhold your A. Right? That would give you the straight A's. That's right. So you, Poindexter, better get in there and get that little wangus of yours wet. That's right. Oh, so John, that's, John, that is dark as hell. It was very, it was super psychological. <sighs> Do you think so he kept the... those? Do you think he kept all those records? Mm, I don't know. There's I could, probably I, a file yeah. cabinet somewhere at the basement of Wendler Junior High School in Anchorage that still has his handwritten notes of who's daily dingus he saw i bet you mr finnell still has a lot of those broken stars too god bless him but the, you know so the, there's the there are the kids in seventh grade who have who are already men 
Oh, it's the worst. And then there are the little skinny kids that have not that are that are still very much boys. Right. And and he's standing there at the doorway, just like. And he actually had a little chant that he said. <laughs> he said. He said. <laughs> Shower down to get an A. <laughs> That's the worst chant I've ever. Shower down to get an A. And 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 we're coming in. We're coming in from the playing fields or whatever. And he's standing there at the door. Shower down to get an A. It doesn't even rhyme. Shower down to get an A. He'd say it over and over. Shower down to get an A. I I, I can't currently pull to mind a better one, but I mean that, that that's a really miserable chant. Shower down to get an A. Shower down to get an A. But that's miserable. Oh, it was a terrible. Oh, the time. showers, the showers. No, no. Here's what I liked. <clears throat> if you were in this official, this is not even that interesting. I don't know why I'm pursuing this. <clears throat> but if somebody came up to you in an official capacity, if you were, in, let's say, you were in formation and you were standing at attention during something like uh, you know an inspection, and right. somebody eyes front. Yeah, yeah. Do you, you know about this? There's exactly three permissible answers to any question. Yes, sir. No, sir. I don't know, sir. Nope. Ours was. Well, that may be yours. Ours was yes, sir. No, sir. No excuse, sir. Oh. Oh, no excuse, sir. Think about I that one for I, a minute. I believe I did say no excuse, sir. So there are some, there are some, and the thing is you learn this. Like whether you like it or not, the whole point of military school is not to help you bloom as a special flower. It, it's, it's, to, it's to take you at the point when you are most, most – in other words, most possible that you could become an interesting person and, mm-hmm. and, and try to make you uh, a, a miserable uh, brain not dead. an interesting person. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and then throw you in a shower. Yeah. What do you think of that? Isn't that kind of interesting? You say to somebody, why, uh, why isn't your belt buckle shinier? No excuse, sir. You don't get to say because I was busy watching Buck Rogers. Right. You say no excuse, sir. No excuse, sir. But it's a very interesting idea. It's a very interesting idea because for somebody like me who's uh, – I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm a bit of a talker. Mm-hmm. And because of my extensive liberal arts background, i got a reason for everything. That's right. You would you want to justify why your belt buckle is not shiny. Go shower if you want an A. What is it? Shower down to get an A. Shower down to get an A. It scans nicely, but I shower down to get an A. And he had a little. He had a weird accent, like a weird, like uh, Oklahoma accent. Shower oh, down God. to get an A. Oh shower God, down. this is miserable. Shower the, down. Shower know, down. There's, there's, there's literally in the entire United States in our history. There's literally only one thing worse than junior high, and that's middle school. Ju- junior high is disgusting because it's it's got got this problem on one level of like you know, like you say like some of the people you know look like they're retirees and uh, others look like toddlers. Yeah, but. Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. I think it's even worse because oh, you got sixth, sixth graders, graders belong in elementary school. No, I was. I, I didn't have middle school. I had junior high. But middle. I've heard of people when I learned about middle school. It, it, it gave me. It gave me the shakes. So some Ooh. of the girls in sixth grade look like supermodels. Yeah. Uh, other ones look like they probably needed to to, to change their nappy, yeah. right? And then, but then you got guys even in seventh grade. And these the really stinky guys with with the weird mustaches who didn't know how awkward they were those poor mm-hmm. bastards. I mean, you get those guys, and, and and then you grow really fast, and you're kind of uncoordinated. You're, you know, I don't know if you well, went I've through told, this. I've told you my plan. No, what's your plan? Well, my plan is that the, the, no one learns anything in junior high. Hmm. There is no, there, not a single bit of useful information is communicated or retained. Point of point of information. No, nothing nothing will be taught, or or by design, nothing will be permitted to be learned. Nothing. It, it is impossible to learn. It is. It is an unlearnable, an unlearning inable environment. Okay. Super. Super trained junior high. You come in as an empty vessel and leave potentially even more empty than you came in. So here's what happens. Here's here's my plan for junior high. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I've told you this. Not at all. Never. From seventh and eighth grade, all those kids are building trail in national parks. <laughs> and this is a national program. Do they get sunscreen? 
Well, you're you're building trails, so uh, you, get a hat. You, get a fucking you hat. Get, you get a, you get a hat, or you're under cover of trees. I mean, it depends. I guess if you're building trail in Arizona, you do need sunscreen. Building trail. But uh, but so uh, we have a lot of national parks. A lot of those trails need need a tremendous amount of up- upkeep. Some of them are in treacherous locations. Uh, for older people to go up there and haul logs and uh, and uh, fix that trail, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of work for people. Young people. Uh, particularly seventh and eighth graders who are incapable of learning anything and are useless to society in every way, utterly, except, utterly. except as haulers. They're, they're, they're just old enough that they can drag logs and they can, they are, they, they should be employed as donkeys uh, throughout, throughout our national park system. And if, if we used kids this way, so sixth grade, you're learning stuff. You're still, you're like engaged. You're learning about, Art and music, you learn all the bones in the body and how they connect to one another. And then you graduate from sixth grade and you are immediately sent to a uh, works progress administration style camp on the side of Mount Rainier or perhaps out in uh, Death Valley, California, or wherever it is that trail needs to be built. And you are employed in this capacity for two straight years. You come out the other side, and you you have clear skin. You have uh, a clear sense of purpose. Your body is strong. Your your youth has been employed in the service of your great country. And then you enter ninth grade, and again begin to learn things from books. God. And at night, at night, these kids will all sleep in these uh, these depression era bunk houses. Like babies, and- they'll sleep. And they they will sleep like babies. They will they will they will read they will read for a half an hour by lantern light. Someone will tell them a ghost story, perhaps on weekends, and they will be contributing to America in a way that that that, that there's no substitute for. And they will be not not contributing because that's part of the problem. I think that you're addressing with this is the utter lack of contribution, the the vacuum of contribution that we get from yeah. from these, these 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 fucking pubescent leeches. Yeah, these are terrible people. Bad people. Uh, seventh and eighth graders are terrible people. They're 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 the worst uh, that humanity has to offer. And right now we are placating them with like uh, uh, so that they're dressing like those brats dolls and they're mm-hmm. listening to uh, hip hop music and they are joining gangs or whatever it is that young people do these days. Uh, and they're wearing white varnays. <laughs> they are they are being lolitas for their next door neighbors whatever it is building keytars they are causing problems they're causing problems for their families they're mm-hmm. causing problems for each other they have uh, they have terrible skin john this is a comprehensive fucking solution because really here's the other thing and i'm sure this is something you've already covered in uh in in any of your plans for this but 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 what is the what is the primary problem i am identifying here about middle school is the terrible bell curve beyond a bell curve really a liberty bell curve of of differences right you got right. some kids that look they look like linebackers right they're like nine feet tall and they're all they're all mean and glandular and you got other kids over here with thin bones the thing is you there is work for everybody when you're fucking building trees trail right so right so somebody got, has somebody's making the signs that say you know that oh, say, you're an artist you want to be an artist make a fucking yeah. sign here's a sign here's a here's a little a wood carving kit right. this sign needs to say the upper loop is 2.4 kilometers and the lower loop is 1.8 kilometers and now, it's, it, but it's, but it's leveling the linebacker guy's gonna be pulling some very large logs he's not going to be so cocky anymore and that little guy with the small fingers he might be able to get a wasp nest out of that log if we had to <laughs> right but everybody it's going to be to each to each his ability as to uh, each, from his each according to his disability need. Ex- yeah, precisely exactly. precisely you're gonna, you're gonna send the runty ones into the into the holes you you're know what you know here's the thing okay yesterday the trees 
uh, let me tell you something. Yesterday, my daughter had set school in the morning. She had half a day of school and then went directly to ballet. And I, I joined her at her ballet class and she tore ass in ballet yeah. for 45 minutes. She, she, she ran at school, right? She goes to ballet. She, you know, she, she's four. She mostly runs with a scarf. She runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And you know what? <laughs> she is good and tired when it is time for bed. I yeah. think part of the problem is we are not tiring out our children enough. That's exactly right. It's like Gibson. Look at Gibson. Gibson, the only, Gibson seems like he's mostly happy. It was so nice to see Gibson. But what would make Gibson happier is if the world would allow him to be exhausted. When's the last time Gibson was really satisfyingly exhausted? This is a problem yeah. you've addressed. If Gibson had a place where there were rabbits who needed to be chased, mm-hmm. Gibson would have a job. Gibson would find his duck. And, and the thing is, I drive around, I drive around uh, the city of Seattle, and all over the place, you, you look through plate glass windows at perfectly healthy adult people on treadmills and elliptical machines Ugh. and stationary and they're bicycles. powering they're powering nothing with all of that wattage yeah that's right they are creating that electricity going it's going nowhere they're sitting there they're watching television they're using electricity rather than generating electricity they're not doing a fucking job well they are creating heat which then listen needs to the to black be, eyed peas give me a fucking break it needs, then the heat needs to be dissipated and we need when we're using more uh, air conditioning and fans to blow this heat that they're making Instead of using that heat to power their buildings, or instead of using that heat mm-hmm. to uh, to lift logs up trail, these people are just burning. They're just burning food. John, it's like it's like we live in a quote unquote country with with fucking three hundred million little duchies. It's hmm. just it's a goddamn shame that there's not somebody who can come together and bring together all of these sources of energy and non-energy into one place. And and, and I'm just going to say, you know what? You're opening my eyes to all of this. There needs to be a lot more fucking exhaustion in this country. There does. That's exactly right. And the problem with this is that anymore, if you say, all right, here's the proposal, national program, all kids have to do this. All kids. Oh, my God. You're going to hear from every... <gasps> Can you're you from, imagine? You're going to hear from both sides. You're going to hear from the people... We who just bought a minivan. We just oh, bought a minivan. Especially so such <sighs> a little flower. You can't do it. <sighs> and then you're going to hear from the people who are like, our kids are being... You know, we're homeschooling our kids to believe that God made the universe in four and a half days. And, you you know, and blah, 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 blah. <sighs> Everybody's... Every kid is a fucking special flower in this country. And what you need is somebody with the will to say, your kids are useless stupid little fucks just like every other kid mm-hmm. and they need to be they need to be tethered to mm. some kind of some kind of old they need to be yoked to usefulness <laughs> that's exactly right they need to be yoked to to some kind of water wheel they want that they want work. that duck and they don't know it you know they the kids do. our age our kids are you know a few years apart but they they want limits they don't know they do. it and well, if and they don't want limits, we're going to make them want limits. For the first three weeks, there'd be so much crying. Oh, God. There so would much be so crying. much whimpering and whining, and people would be saying, where's my PlayStation? And people would be saying... And you'd be saying, be like, thank you for contributing to the saltwater slurry. That's right. You'd be saying, lights out in 15 minutes. And these, <laughs> let, these me capture, kids, let me capture your delicious early tears. At first, at first, they would be rapping to each other. They'd be oh, like, yo, man. here's my rap and shit. They'd be like talking to each other in their in their. Uh, like youthful patois, but by the end of no. the by the end of the first year, they would all be speaking like Walt Whitman, and they would be they would have they would have woodsman skills. They would be oh, they'd be so strong. They would have interesting stories, but they wouldn't tell them. They, that's exactly right. They would have a keep they'd them have, to they'd, yourself. They'd stare into the distance, and they would seem wiser than they were. And then they would start ninth grade, mm-hmm. and you would say, 
U.S. history, and they would open their books with their pencils at the ready. Hungry. Hungry for history. Hungry for history. And you know what? If you can't pull up those fucking pants, maybe we will suture them to your midsection like a fucking gentleman. Pull up those pants. You know what? You know what? You lose pants privileges. This You're going to go make trail with no pants for a week. This wouldn't even be a problem because they'd start off that first that first month at, yeah. at, uh, at, 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 uh, at the National Park, and their pants would be hanging down. You could see their underpants. And then they would realize that the first time... The first time a Wolverine came out of a hole at <laughs> that this was not some this is not some downtown thing. Right, right, right. You're not gonna pull, you don't pull up your pants with one hand and hold your fucking energy drink with the other and do that kind of waddle. No, you make a uh. belt out of a out of rope that you you wove yourself and you hold your pants up. You're saying you know what it is here. here here's your here's your uh, extracurricular activity. You go out you go out and cut a little bit of jute, maybe if you're lucky, and you can make a belt. Here's the other thing. You get those rappy pants that are down around your, down around your ass. You, if you go out, I understand that Arizona is warm, but they're certainly going to need to build trail in a lot of places with humidity. Have yep. you ever had, maybe at camp, have you ever had a really, really, really bad heat rash? Oh, I get heat rash like you wouldn't believe. You and me both, buddy. And I'm just, I'm just saying, if you're, if you're 13 or 14 and there's not a goddamn unguent in sight, you're going to think twice about rolling hip-hop while you're making a trail. You're going you're gonna to pull up those pants, you're going to stick your little fingers into that log and pull out a goddamn wasp nest, and you're going to be grateful, you're going to be quiet, and you're going to keep all those stories to yourself. And you here, know what? Here, every one of the bunkhouses, yeah. at the end of the bunkhouse, there's going to be, there's gonna be a, like a, a tin can full of baby powder. And that's, and that's gonna that you be, have to share, and you got to make it last. That's right. There's a tin can of baby powder, and there's a little bit of hydrogen peroxide, and that is the entirety of your medical kit. <laughs> oh, that is good. If it can't be cured with baby powder and hydrogen peroxide, then if you, know. you if you discover some roots, berries, and twigs along the way to the worksite that might help you, and I don't see you bend down to get them, and you could make those into a simple poultice, good on you. Mm. But but you know what? Here's the thing, Tyler Heraclitus. I understand that you want to go to violin camp. We'll worry about that when you come back from the trail and and, right. and you've and you fixed your rash, John. I think you're onto something very important here. So give, give me five things that, that that have been useful to society that anyone that age has done. Maybe Mozart. Maybe Mozart, but Mozart probably could have made some trail too. He wouldn't have been such a fuck up in his thirties if he had gone ahead and made some Viennese trail. That's true. I mean, I, uh, it, it is debatable whether Rambeau actually helped or hurt uh, the progression of society. Mm-hmm. But I would, I, I would put him in the class of like somebody that okay, good, like. He was able to write some books. He, he was, also he was very he, relaxed. Very relaxed. He, he ruined some people's lives. Mm-hmm. I, you know, even even he in his fifteen minutes at the end of the day, where he could write in his on his yellow legal pad that are handed out. You know, like I think every kid would get a legal pad. Would you get a certain like, amount of paper and like a golf pencil? Yeah, <laughs> you get a golf pencil and a legal pad, and you keep it in your footlocker, and you can write your you can write your memoirs. You can you can write like teary letters to home. But of course, after the first month or two, those teary letters to home would 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 stop, and you'd start to you'd start to get letters. Uh, the kids would start writing letters like, "Dear mother and father, today we summited Mount Adams, and uh, while while we were there, we improved the trail. Love your son, Shaniqua." <laughs> you know, I got two big problems in addition to all these other problems. With, with these young people. And that is that they get too much stuff to themselves and they got too many things they can rely on other people to do. If I may say, John, and this is, I don't mean to give you a note on this, but I think your WPA project, it should ha- require a lot of awkward sharing and constant uncertainty. 
right? Mm. So first of all, yes, there is some baby powder in there. At first, some days there might be a tablespoonful, and then there might not be any for a month. <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. You're getting very psychological about this. Am I? <laughs> Sharing I'm... an uncertainty. So here's the thing. You come back, and you want to get your ha- – now, what? Half sheet of paper? That's right. And half a golf pencil? That's right. You know what? Now, there is one footlocker for everybody. While you were out making trail, there's one footlocker. <laughs> Right. Also, you write a letter to your parents. Maybe we don't send it sometimes. I see. So tonight, so today at lunch, everybody gets a peanut butter sandwich. Tonight, we all tonight at dinner, everybody yeah. arrives in the mess hall. There's one live chicken. <laughs> so yeah, if you want, if you if you if you want if you want continuity in your life, enjoy that in ninth grade. See now, I don't. So yeah, I, I think I you should gaslight. I think you should gaslight the shit out of these kids, I especially was not the first year. That this was going to be like. Uh, like terror dome. It's a little I, like the prisoner. We want to. We want to get. We want to get. We want to get good solid work out of these kids. I don't want to terrorize them. Oh come on, really? But but I but I but I, I think I think that the that the extent of their media should be uh, sixteen millimeter films that were produced between uh, nineteen fifty and nineteen sixty five. Mm-hmm. And at night, everybody everybody you know spends a little time. Maybe on we, let's say on the weekend, you get to watch a film, and it's. Um, it's like a film about what to do in the event of a nuclear attack, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. it's a film about the dangers of marijuana. Because that it's might a, still be relevant. You're not reading the news. You're not yeah. aware of what's happening in the quote unquote outside world, the the the, uh, the extra trail world. And yeah, so everybody should sit and, and, that's right. and you know and watch the same film strip crisscross applesauce. There's no there's no electricity there except uh, as generated by uh, by like a coal burning <laughs> or uh, maybe generator. or maybe or maybe it's Tyler Heraclitus on a goddamn treadmill that he had to make out of jute. Oh my god. Okay, here's here's one more thing, John. And I, again, I, I really in no way do I want to give you a note on this, but here's my only thought. Yeah. How are guys able to break? I'm not saying this is prison, but how yeah. are guys able to break out prison? They break out of prison. They are there for so long that they learn all of the patterns. They learn which guards. Do are certain ways they learn yeah. when people walk by. They learn when the towels get delivered. They learn uh, like when the new shivs are handed out. They learn enough about these patterns that they can they can know it inside and out. Right, the pattern never changes, and right. that's when they're able to capitalize on it. That's when that's when you're able to uh, to, uh, to to you know to uh, what do they call it? ganking, right? Yeah. You, you, you stab you stab a fish or something like that. You stab a fish, yes. So here's here's all I'm saying to you. <laughs> these are teen- I feel like Paul Schaefer all of a sudden. Yes. <laughs> You Actually, I have a note on Paul Schaefer here that I would love to come back to in just a second. But but no, but no I, you're giving these young people too much credit because am I? Well, in the sense that in sixth grade, I believe that most minds, most young people's minds, are still malleable enough that you can create an entire reality. All the more reason to malleate it. Well, but they but you create this reality in which the idea of escape is not. It does not even occur to them because it is their new. This is their new life. There's no, I mean, for that first month, yes, they are. They're trying to make it over the wire, John. I don't think you've been. Because they want to get back to their brat dolls. You sound like a man, with all due respect, who has not been around that many seventh graders. Because here's how life works with a seventh grader. Okay, Tyler Heraclitus. Now listen, you have to be home early tonight. Okay. And then they they come in at ten thirty. You go. That wasn't early. You say you have to be here at seven. They step their foot onto the grounds at seven and then walk away. These kids are weasels. They're like little lawyers, and they will pick up on any part of the pattern. And you know what? They will look for your weakness. The reason they the reason they act that way is mm-hmm. that no one has worn them out. Basically, put them into a yoke and call, and 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 encourage them to pull mm-hmm. a five hundred pound log up the side of a mountain. And do you start them out maybe on a log? You're pretty sure they can't actually pull. 
Well, they go they go to boot they go to a boot camp certainly where where <sighs> it starts out potentially as like this is these are kind of fun activities. You're going to have to learn how the camp works. Yeah. These are fun activities at first. Like, mm-hmm. hey, let's all jump in the mud. Let's make okay. our own bed out of straw. Yeah, let's like do some fun. And there are going to be a lot of people that are grousing and like, ah, this sucks. I hate this. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the food is pretty good at first. And then, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not boot camp like in the military where they try and break you. Like, oh, you don't want them to get want. to the point where they immediately try to kill themselves. You want to no, give no, them no. just enough of a soak in that warm water that the pores start to open a little bit. And that's when John gets in. It's camp at first. It's oh, fun, it's fun camp. camp. Summer oh, camp. Oh, my God, John. Oh, my God. This is it. It's camp. And this they don't is how realize. We get, this is how we get, you know what, maybe avoid until people, until people in, culture, in our culture and society understand and embrace what this is bringing to our wider Weltanschauung. Maybe it is just camp. Maybe it's free camp. It's maybe camp, it's Obama camp. WPA camp at first. And you come. You're going to have some fun. Get, be, get outdoors and get some fresh air. Right. And this is going to be good for your kids. It's going to like, it's a weight reducer. Or if your kid is depressed, send ADD, them to happy ADD camp. and uh, the Asperger's. ADD and Asperger's, you know, send to, they, these camps will nurture your child. Uh, organic food, organic food. And then uh, that's right. Very organic food. And then after a certain point of time, it's like, okay, we're going to get, now we're going to do the log toss. Now we're going to do the log carry. Now we're going to do the log drag. And it becomes like a ropes course or something, right? Where you're going to go out and it's like, ha ha, trust, trust, trust exercises. Right. And then suddenly one day you come back, the cabin is not gone and you're ordered to sleep on a rail. And they and say, the f- what do you mean? They say, figure it out. You say, What's figure it out. amazing about our national parks is that they're actually very fun. Eventually. This is, this is the thing that I would like even adults to know, that, they, that you can have fun there. And, and in ninth so, grade, when you return to your parents, you can ask them to take you there. Although probably, you should, you should probably keep it to yourself. When you're in ninth grade, you'll bring your parents there and you'll say, you see that zip line? I built that zip line. And I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry for all the pain I caused you, mother and father. <laughs> then, you get now, a, then you get a greeting card. Now, now I would like to read my report on William Henry Harrison. <laughs> that I wrote, by lamplight... <laughs> Was he the 30-day president? <laughs> Wasn't he the 30-day president? Was it Harrison? William Henry Harrison. Wasn't, but there was one president that he got sick. I think, yes, like Kennedy, he didn't wear a hat during his parade. Mm-hmm. And then he got sick, and his entire presidency, he was sick, and then he died after. He was like, he was like the Pope John uh, Paul I of American presidents. That's correct so henry see now now um back in ohio my, my in cincinnati my friends went to uh, william henry harrison high school did they really for a month then, then they were killed <laughs> they uh, they were they were given uh, like some kind of pneumonia do you remember that when pope john paul the first do you remember like because the the previous pope was a pope john I forget which one, but anyway, that, there, that was guy, John, there was John Paul the one, John Paul one, but right? I mean, yeah, was, yeah, but I mean before him, because that guy I, was that the like the Vatican II guy. This guy had been Pope fucking forever. Remember, Vatican II Pope was John, uh, yeah. I think, or Paul, Paul, Paul? George might, might have been Pope Ringo. <laughs> Ringo, <laughs> Pope Ringo, Pope Ringo had been around forever. I remember this. It was about nineteen seventy what seventy eight seventy nine, and it was such a huge deal. It goes, oh, we're gonna have the smoke and everything. <laughs> he died like a month later. And they had to start all over that. again. It was crazy, I, 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 and uh, and that's how we got Pope John Paul II. And then he again. Now, now, now he was like uh, Pope George Martin. He was just around forever. Mm-hmm. I um uh, a just in passing, I have a friend um, who tried out for the Foo Fighters. Excuse me, tried out for Foo Fighters, and he said it was a great experience. He said he said who, he enjoyed who, it a lot. 
Who was who was my this friend? Guy? My friend Stephen Fox, the guy I played in that uh, '80s cover band with. Oh yeah, yeah. Stephen yeah. Fox, yeah, good man, and he, uh, good man in a corner, and a fantastic guitar player. The only one in the band who would ever learn the parts. Very, very gifted guitar player. Like, like, like Colton, he can basically. What, what's the opposite of sight reading? Hear play. He could hear play pretty much anything. Play by ear. Yeah, they call it. thank you. Like, like, like Mozart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my other story was I've been watching this uh, video over and over of uh, Foo Fighters when they were on Letterman in 2000, right after he came back from surgery. I don't yeah. know if you're a fan, but I, I think they're a great band. I think the drummer's just mind blowing. He's and a great drummer. He's amazing. And you know, again, drugs. Drugs. Mm-hmm. Drugs. Mm-hmm. Drugs, really? Drugs. Yes, he overdosed a year after that performance. But then uh, Dave sat by his bed, sat by his bed until he got better. Oh, what a nice thing. So they're, they're playing ever long. Go ahead. I've found, I've found Dave Grohl to be one of the nicest people in the rock music business. He seems like he's real. He seems real weird, but like a real guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a weird guy who got super rich and he recognizes that that is weird. But, but also and he doesn't seem like lovely. he makes an attempt to cover up. He isn't deliberately peculiar like fucking Jimmy Corrigan. But he also, is that his name, Jimmy Corrigan? Yeah, the world's smartest boy. Smartest boy in the world, yeah. <laughs> and the drummer with the heroin, Rusty Brown. Um, Rusty Trombone? Anyway, anyway. Did you know Grover Cleveland was president of the United States two non-consecutive times? <laughs> There's a funny joke about that I heard. <laughs> What's the joke? Uh, I can't remember. Um, but the um, but uh, no no was he the one that was killed by the Eastern European guy? Or am I thinking no. of Ken McKinley? Yeah. No. You know most presidents come from Ohio. It turns out I, uh, that is true. More presidents than are from Ohio than any other state except maybe Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Land, land of Lincoln. Ohio. A lot of people live in Ohio. That's you right. Realize that. That's right. I live in Cincinnati, which is almost in Ohio. Grover Cleveland was from New York. <sighs> This is the kind of thing I would learn in ninth grade. Oh, easy there. So here's the thing. Uh, and this is, I've noticed this for years, and, I, and I'm curious about this. So I, 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 it looks like you guys did not deal with this on, um, oh, Ooh, shit, what guys. was it on? Oh, when you were in Harvey Danger, what were you on? Were you on, uh, was it Craig Kilborn or Conan? Or what, yeah, what were you Craig guys Kilborn, on? Yeah. Craig Kilborn. Um, not a nice guy. Kind he of seems like a homemade dick. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly so. I think he's going to go to Mike Love Camp if I get he my... He's a tall guy. Good for him. Okay, so here's the thing. They get out. David Letterman has just almost died from, like, super-duper heart surgery. And he makes... A, you can go read about this on the internet. It's another nice Dave Grohl story. Uh, is that is that when he came back for the first time to do his first show after coming back, he had one request. He says, I want the Foo Fighters, my favorite band, to come and play my favorite song. And the story goes... Who says this? Letterman? This is, 19, this is 2000. 2000 after his heart attack. He came back from his, like, quintuple bypass. I don't I don't even understand how you can have a fourth, a fifth chamber, but you know, he comes back and he says, I really wish my favorite band could come and play my favorite song on the show. Story goes, the Foo Fighters were in fucking Brazil at the time. I think this is correct. And came back and played Everlong on his show. And it's really, really good. But there's that part when they go into, you know, there's the, and there's a part like, you know, three quarters of the way through where it kind of goes into that vamping on that. And the part with all the, all the voices. And of course they're playing on Letterman. So at that awesome, tense part of the song, what do you hear? (laughs) Paul Schaefer! Because fucking Paul Schaefer plays on every goddamn song! I mean, you see, they might be giants. Actually, you know, they might be giants playing along with Johnny Carson's band. I can highly recommend. It's a a beautiful, they play Birdhouse in Your Soul with a very under-rehearsed um, Doc Severinsen's orchestra, but it's still glorious. It's glorious. You could see Flansburg's eyes are lit up that he's playing along with this giant band on TV. This is on the internet. Oh, yeah. I think it's Birdhouse in Your Soul and Johnny Carson. Um, um, anyway, I'm just saying, now, now you, if you were to show up 
and on Letterman's uh, on Letterman's show. And boy, I, I still love that guy. But 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 what, how do you think it works? I mean, well, it here, seems like how... it's going to come up at some point. They're going to say, "Oh, hey, you know, you and your band are going to come out," or, or you know, you by yourself, you can understand if they wanted to. If Will Lee, I don't know if he's still with the band, wanted to play along. No, my understanding is that the assumption is the assumption used to be that Paul and the band were going to play with you unless you either said. Unless you had enough authority to say, no, thank you. I think nowadays, Paul and the band, are they're probably checking Twitter on their phones. Yeah. I, I don't get the sense that they play with young bands. Boy, like- that always used to grate on my nerves. When Robin Hitchcock was on there doing Las Madonna, the Wasps, and... And the world's most dangerous band is jamming along. And the they're good. Is, they're really. I mean, the thing is, you know, what's his name? The guy with the yellow guitar. Like yeah. he's he's great. Like they're all they're great. But then Paul Schaefer, his his keyboards are so fucking loud. Now, how is he still alive? Paul Schaefer. He's well, the keyboard all, player in the band. How is he still alive? First of all, he's Canadian, <sighs> and so that exempts That's him true. from a lot of the ways that people die. It's from Thunder Island. Or is that, Thunder, Elton, is that Thunder, an Elton John song? Thunder Bay. Thun, that's the one. Thunder Island. Uh, okay. But, but also Paul Schaefer. Well, first of all, he was a blues brother. Paul Schaefer also. I think he was an adjunct blues brother. Actually, no, well, he, he was. was the, the truth is, he was the musical director for he was that. The musical I think. director of the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Paul Schaefer. Who knows? Paul Schaefer probably has an aluminum heart. <laughs> I'm up to pie on Katie Bars.